Hello and welcome to the Congleton Town Football Club podcast. I don't know about you, but I'm still on cloud nine after Saturday. Over 600 at the Cleric Stadium, an 89th minute winner and the Bears now sitting top of the league. We'll have all the reaction from the 1-0 win against Studley, including with this week's guest, Mackenzie Faulkner, after he recently passed 100 games for the Bears. We'll also hear from the Congleton chairman after the highest league attendance at the Cleric Stadium for 17 years. But first, let's get the thoughts of player-manager Richard Duffy, starting with his reaction to Saturday's win. Obviously a good win. I think it was a really scrappy game, if I'm honest. No fluidity, probably between both teams. I don't, I don't want to speak for, for them. But yeah, there wasn't a lot in the game and obviously come down to probably our fifth or sixth penalty appeal of, of the game so was it a penalty I'm, I'm not sure I know it's hit the, the lad's hand whether it's hit something first and hit him I'm not too sure but we'll we'll take it for sure and top of the league now so it's a huge huge resort Congleton fans are going to be looking at the table with a smile this evening are you going to be the, the same looking at the, at the table with a smile absolutely yeah why not you know I know a lot of managers say don't look at the table blah 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 but I said we're top of the league why not look at it and go, yeah, you know, we're there to be shot down for sure. They've still got a game in hand on us, they can go above us, but, you know, can we keep them at arm's length and um, see how we go? And this is ultimately what the club has been working towards and you and your management team. Yeah, and after the start we had, you know, it was always going to be a, a waiting game until we could, you know, we, we got the players back that we wanted to and we, we got, you know, the players we needed on, on the pitch and... You know, we just see the boys coming off the bench today there to make, make the impact, which which we have done the last four or five games, you know, whether it's to see out a game with more goals or come on and, and make an impact to get a goal. You know, I, I say to him, you can only pick 11 and that, that's the sad thing about it. And, you know, we, we've got we've got a bench, a group of lads on the bench there, or, or, you know, they're right behind the lads and they've come on and uh, delivered the goods. And again, Congleton just keep on fighting to the end, don't they? And again, another late goal, but the resilience and perseverance was just a matter of time, it felt like at times. Yeah, it did, yeah. They started the second half really well. It wasn't how we, we visioned it at half time, how the game was going to go. Um, they started the first 15 minutes really well and we slowly built into the second half and, you know, slowly started to, to create chances and, um, yeah, it, it was, a, it was a, a steady performance, but, you know, you're not, it's not always going to be, you know, nice and fluid, you know, the pitch was heavy today uh, with the rain we had, but fair play, it's, it's held up really well for the amount of rain we've had and, um, yeah, just delighted to, to get over the line with a win because, you know, it keeps our, our home record intact and, and, and the long unbeaten run that we got at the minute. And it's unbeaten in 10 now. What do you think has been the key to, to kind of that? Because it all came after your very, very late kind of equaliser at Darleston. You might say that, yeah. Um, no, listen, it's, it's the players. You know, I can guide and me and Griff can guide from the sideline as much as you want, give as much information you want. But ultimately, it's, it's the players on the pitch that do the job, you know. So, um, yes, we can guide and push them and get them in right positions or whatever, but it's, it's decision-making and, and, you know, just to, just to, to free them that I want players to play with under under a, a structure. And, yeah, I feel we're doing that a lot better this season and, um, obviously, wins are coming with it. And we've got to talk about the crowd. Over 600 people here at the Cleric Stadium. That is phenomenal. Yeah, great. I mean, you know, we, we were over a moon last week when we had last Saturday or two weeks ago on Saturday when we had just over 400. Uh, we said the weather, you know, for the weather to have 400 at home is, is unbelievable and you know the weather wasn't much better today with, with the bits of rain we've had and to have over 600 in I'm not sure how many you know they would have brought up with them but 600 for a home game in the league 
where it's you know it's not a cup semi final or where, where we've had big or quarter finals where we've had you know a lot of fans in before you know to get 600 through the gate on the league game is um, is unreal really. And that's what's so pleasing as well. Obviously, you're getting the results on the pitch, but everything that kind of off the pitch as well seems to be coming together. Yeah, it, it, listen, it's it, it's it's never a quick fix when you come into a club and you 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 know there's so many voices. You want to do this, you want to do that, and it's you know behind the scenes is you know if things are not right behind the scenes then then it's always difficult on the pitch you, you know we see lots of teams struggling on the pitch when when things are not quite right behind the scenes and luckily for us we've we've got we've got that behind the scenes we've got a solid structure and the boys we've brought in and and how we've wanted to do things has, has progressed through the through the first season to the second season and now into into the third season where you know at the minute it's um, it's coming together and you put kind of on a show as well for the for the fans they'll be going home absolutely ecstatic well, yeah, and, and being a last-minute winner, you know, it, it sticks in your mind a lot, a lot more. Um, especially as a fan, you know, I've been to lots of games with last-minute winners, and you know, you want to go back because of, of the buzz in the last minute. It's, it's exciting, and and hopefully that's what that's what we've done to to a lot of newbies today. What's the mood in the dressing room after a game like that? It's great, obviously. You know, as you can imagine, there's there's lots of chirpy chirpy voices in there, so it's time for me to get out of there. But obviously, music on, having a good crack, and and that's what it does. You know, I know last minute winners I've just talked about but you know if we score a win's a win but obviously the last minute is always you know that extra or last five minutes that extra little bit special because obviously the other team have, you know it, it's them hard as well and listen we'll, we'll have last minute winners against us this season no doubt about it you know and uh, so it's, it's how you react to things and um, you know they'll be disappointed with it but obviously on the other hand we, we're delighted You're now the team that's going to be chased does that change anything at all? Not for us, no. It can't do for us. We 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 just got to play the way we 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 have been, and you know, doing what we do. And whoever we come up against, you know, our, our waveform has has improved dramatically over the over the coming over the last few weeks uh, or, or last month or so, especially with with the start. We had a lot of away games. We we had to improve that, and we did. And we, as you say, we got we got a run of home games now at home. Can we capitalise on that? Let's hope so. That was Richard Duffy speaking after the win against Studley. We'll get a reaction from the chairman later in the podcast. But first, we're joined by defender Mackenzie Faulkner, who has recently reached the milestone of playing 100 games for the Bears. First of all, welcome to the podcast and congratulations on reaching 100 games for the Bears. Yeah, cheers for having me. I'm really happy to have got that accolade. So yeah, thank you. So first of all, we've got to talk about Saturday. What an occasion it turned out to be. A crowd of over 600, a late winner. Are you still on a high after that? Yeah. Um, first of all, it's brilliant to see so many fans there and have such a good reception. Um, then as the game went on, it, it was quite a close game. Um, I think we shaded it without being brilliant. I think we shaded it. But yeah, um, it, was, it was a really good occasion, we thought, and we were buzzing in the change rooms after. Um, still a long way to go and a, a long process ahead. But yeah, we're, we're happy with where we are at the moment, what we're achieving, really. As you say, it was a close game, not many chances, but then the penalty. What was that moment like for you as a player when you're standing on the pitch when Darren Chadwick put the ball in the back of the net? Yeah, he's kind of one of them. We're playing at the back um, with Chad as he he was having a good game. And I know recently um, he's missed a couple of penalties, but I had full confidence in him when he stepped up to to tuck it home in front of the fans. So yeah, it, it was good. And just take us into the dressing room kind of after the game. As you say, it's a long way to kind of go in this season, but it, it was a big game, a big result. And to play in front of 600 people, that doesn't happen kind of every day. What was the mood like in the dressing room after the game? It was really positive, but again, we're keeping our feet on the ground. We know that there is a long way to go. So yeah, we, we celebrate it in that moment. We enjoy that moment, but then we move forward with it. And it kind of 
speaks um, volumes of the lads' mentality, really, because after the game, we were still on at each other for a mistake that happened later on that could ultimately cost us. And as we go through the season, it's fine lines like that that we've got to try and eradicate and stop them mistakes from happening because ultimately it could have finished 1-1 in the game. So, yeah, we were happy, but yeah, we know there's improvements and we know we need to keep moving forward with it. The crowd of 627 was almost kind of unthinkable for a league game when you first joined the club, which is only a few years ago. What's it like as a player? And I know there's been cup games, for example, the last few seasons in particular, where we've had huge, huge crowds. What's it like as a player playing in front of numbers like that? Yeah, I think, as you just mentioned, I know other people have been on the podcast um, have mentioned as well that when we first came, there's potentially 100, 150 fans. And now that we're playing in front of, on average, 400 a week, I know we had 600, you know, close to 700 this week. It makes a massive difference. It really does, especially in the second half when we're kicking towards them and potentially we need that little break or we need that little thing to get us going. It is positive and it's good for the local area as well within the town. I know we've got quite a few homegrown Congleton lads in it's massive for them as well. I think it's massive for the, the town as a whole, really. So before we talk more about your time at Congleton, let's go back to when you first started playing football. So where did it kind of first start for you and, and how did your football career kind of go from there? Yeah, so we first started, um, I think all children have got the dream of obviously being a footballer. So it started on the playground and then gone from there. Did a couple of grassroots clubs. Um, so started at Blurton Colts. Played a year up because I couldn't get into a team. So when you're um, six years old, you, you um, can't join a team. So you need to be under seven. So I played a year up then. Then joined a team called Longton Harriers. That was one of probably the, the best sides within Stoke-on-Trent at that age. That team then disbanded because we all went off to different academies. A couple of lads went Man United, Crew, Stoke, Vale, etc. I went to Stoke from there, did six years at Stoke. Really enjoyed my time there and then got released from there when I was 14. So under 14s, got released from there. Then went to Vale, managed to go from under-14s at Vale all the way through, managed to get a scholarship um, until the under-18s and then didn't get a pro at the end of that and then just found my way into non-league football, really. What's it like being part of an academy? I think when you're in there as, as a kid, because I've seen it from both sides, from the coaching side and, and from the from the kid side, as a kid, you, you're just playing football, you, you're just doing everything that you want within your power to obviously chase your dream and to ultimately become a professional footballer. So you, you don't really see it in that moment. You just go in, you, you've got the best facilities, you've got the best coaches, you've got the kind of best of everything, really. But in that moment, you, you don't see that. It's only when you get a little bit older and you can kind of reflect back on how good it was at the time, really. When you were then told that a pro contract, sadly, at Port Vale wasn't going to be given to you, how difficult is that to kind of to deal with when it's something that you've obviously been working towards? And have you said it's kind of that kind of dreams? Yeah, it was difficult at the time. The initial thought of being told is difficult, especially when you see others around you um, succeeding and, and doing well within that. But yeah, I, I quickly, I'm quite a realist, so I quickly came to the understanding and, and the realisation I've got good people around me that it's not the end of the world. Um, that there is more out there and you can find whatever level you play at you can find it in different ways whether that be non-league football going on trials elsewhere whatever that is you'll always get to the level that that you deserve to so yeah I was quite a realist with that something that was kind of interesting when I was looking into kind of your your background is the coaching roles that you've been involved in and actually the fact you hold a UEFA B license so was that when your coaching involvement kind of passion is that where it kind of first started kind of after that 
Yeah, I think whilst I was a scholar, um, I managed to get me level two. That's one of the requirements um, that you do. But I've always enjoyed the game. I've always liked watching the game and, and studying different bits of it. So I think it's kind of the, the natural path that for players. And you see um, pro players now, as soon as they come to the end of the career, that they go down the coaching route, they go down the managing route. And, and for me, it's something that I wanted to do, something because I'd experienced the the highs of it going through the academy all the way then obviously experienced the, the low point of it so I think I had the right mindset to go and coach in the academy to actually to give them a, a realistic view on it to give them um, that it's not just all roses it's not just all about the pro contract at the end it's about life lessons as you're going through and yes we all want to be footballers but ultimately what's the stat these days it's 0.01% actually become a professional so yeah I think I felt like I had a bit of a role to play in that really. So we'll talk a little bit about the UEFA B licence. When did you do it? Kind of what's involved within the course? I managed to do that. I think I was 19 at the time. I managed to get onto that course because I was coaching at Vale. So I was working in the academy at Vale and they managed to put me through my UEFA B course. And that side of it is a lot more tactical awareness around the different age groups, obviously. Um, under nines, you play in a different format than your adult football, 11 v 11 and 5 v 5, etc. So it was just loads of information around that. And it was a requirement at the time that if you wanted to work in an academy, you needed to have that UEFA B. So, yeah, it was a path that I went down and I'm, I'm glad I did. It, it, it taught me loads and I think it helps me as well. Now, when I come to my own game, um, it allows me to understand um, the game in different ways, whether that be formations or just how to do the small technical bits. Yeah, it, it helps me in that way as well. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask you, actually. The fact that you do coach and you're also a PE teacher as well, which we'll come on to, do you think that's kind of helped you as in, in your own game and it made you a better player kind of as a result? I don't know if I can be the judge of saying a better player, but yeah, it, it's helped me un- understand the game better. So, for instance, I know in non we come up against, a lot of the time we come up against the same formation. However, there's been times over um, recent weeks and especially last season when we played some of the bigger games, it was a case of understanding their formation and then where we can exploit that as a team. And I think, although we've got Duffs as the manager who's tactically um, so aware of different things, when you're on that pitch, you can also influence that as well. So I feel like I've got a role to play in that and understanding the game and and where we can um, progress with that, especially now that we've got some younger players within the team. Um, I think that's important as well. Obviously, when you're playing football, there is a particularly kind of a junior level, very big focus on kind of the work kind of on the ball. But have you seen as as a coach and as you've kind of grown in your career, kind of the work kind of off the ball? Is that something that's become more of a focus for you in terms of the way that you perhaps view the game? Yeah, definitely. So one of the things that they made us do on the UEFA B was um, we were watching the game, but we couldn't look at the ball. So it was a case of understanding what's happening off the ball. And a lot of, you see, like transitions and breakdowns in play now, they're happening because of the work done off the ball. So, yeah, that's a massive thing in regards to learning. You learn a lot more off the ball than you do in regards to when you're actually watching the ball or on the ball yourself. What's the part of the game which you find the most interesting to kind of learn about? I enjoy watching. I enjoy watching all types of football, but I think it's really rewarding when you have a team and I think this was kind of us last season so it hits home a little bit I think you have a team that's a bit of an underdog and they are defensively sound uh, well structured but then they still carry a threat on the break as well so I think back to our games last season when we were playing Ultringham and in some of the bigger games we were really sound defensively and everyone thinks that coaching is about passing the ball keeping it nice and neat in front of you Uh, but actually the aim of the game is to win and 
we found out last year there's different ways to do that. We're finding out this year there's different ways to do that. I, I enjoy when a team is defensively solid, but then they're still carrying a threat as well moving forward. Most people kind of may decide to do their coaching licence towards the end of their career or kind of after they finish. Do you think it's kind of important for players to get involved and go down that coaching route if, if it's something that they're kind of interested in? Yeah, 100%. I don't, I don't think it's a guarantee. So we, we hear a lot about ex-players getting managers' jobs now just on just on merit, just because of the name. I still think a lot of work needs to go into it because playing it is a lot different to actually coaching it and, and explaining that to other people. But I think experience is valuable. Experience, knowing the game, knowing and understanding if you've been in them situations, what you can do or how you can change it. And that only comes from playing the game initially. So, yeah, it's brilliant to see so many man- so many ex-players going into management, but there's still that hard work and still that extra bit that needs to be put in alongside it. What do you enjoy more, coaching or playing? I'm going to say playing. I'm going to say playing because I can still uh, just about move. I can still just about get around the pitch. So I'm going to say that. Um, ultimately, it, it might obviously it'll come to one day where I'll have to hang up my boots and you can carry on coaching for years to come. But at this moment in time, I, I enjoy the playing, the, the adrenaline of the actual 90 minutes when you're playing. Your day job is a PE teacher as well. Did the coaching and the teaching route, did that kind of give you a clear direction for you? Because you hear about players that perhaps leave an academy, drop out of football completely or perhaps are unsure about where to go next. So do you think that gave you a clear direction that you were perhaps looking for kind of at that time? Yeah, 100%. A goal, a bit of a, like you've just said, a clear direction, something to aim towards. And I've got Chadis to thank, really, because when I was at League Town, there was there was him and there's other about four of the lads that were all PE teachers at the time. So when I was at um, university and playing at League, it was kind of a case of actually it can be done. You can still play on a Saturday and then you can still go and have a good job and have that drive to do well within your own career, but then also still play as well. So yeah, I've got um, Chadis to thank for that. And have your two schools, teams, can ever come up against each other yet? No, they haven't actually. Um, we're, we're in different areas. If we were to come up against each other, it'd be luck of a cup draw, really. But yeah, we haven't, we haven't been drawn against each other yet. And actually, when I spoke to Darren, um, he said that his students kind of do ask him about his football. Do your students kind of take an interest and do they kind of know on a Monday morning if you've been really tough on them that you've probably lost at the weekend? Obviously, with the Twitter and the and, and the Facebook being um, quite popular, a, a lot of the kids have jumped on that, really. So, yeah, at the moment, Monday mornings are all right because, obviously, we're, we're in a good vein of form. But, yeah, um, it was at the start of last season when I was on the bench quite a lot. I was getting a little bit of stick off the kids then for um, warming the bench. But, yeah, it, it, it's all good. It, it's all light-hearted. So, yeah, I don't mind that. And have Richard Duffy and can Anthony Griffiths, have they been an influence on you from a coaching perspective, but also kind of from a player perspective as well? Yeah, 100%. So when I was at Vale, Duffy was was at Vale then as well. So playing in my position when I was in the youth team, learning off him then was a massive thing. But then, yeah, when we, when we come to the coaching side of things, now within sessions, it's probably one of them, they don't even realise they're doing it. And I, at the time, probably don't realise I'm taking it in. But then it's just a case of, when we come to a Saturday or when we come to something in regards to the game, it's just that trigger in your head that actually, yeah, he wants me to do this for this reason. Um, and, I've, and I've never looked at the game like that, because especially last season, um, the, the way we were playing and, and what our aim was to do is to get it forward as quickly as possible. It was a case of changing the game and understanding we're doing this because of we want to get the ball into these areas and we want to do this because of this reason. So, yeah, it, it has been beneficial, like I say, especially Duff working closer with him because when he was at the academy, I was there as well, taking loads of stuff off him, especially with his experience. And 
Did you ever think that you'll be playing under him like a few years later? No, um, ne- never crossed my mind, really. Obviously, when he, I think he was Notts County or whatever the last club he left was, he, he came to Kidsgrove, so I knew potentially we could play against each other or anything like that. But yeah, never really crossed my mind of playing underneath him. There obviously has been a shift, a change in, in style this year for Congleton. And actually, even throughout the season, different games require perhaps different styles. How difficult is it kind of as a player to swap for, from one style to another? Or is it kind of more of kind of merging kind of of them? Yeah, I think that's what we've been good at this year and I think we need to get better at it. But I think we have been good at it in, in knowing when to play within the right areas and, and then when to go long. I think that's been one of our main strengths moving forward. But yeah, it, from a player's point of view, it, it only becomes difficult when the whole team don't have an identity. So for instance, if one player wants to play short and then the person next to them wants to play long and the person next to them wants to play short. If, if you've got different um, ideas on, on how you want to play the game, then that's when it becomes difficult. But at the moment, we all seem to be on the same page. We all kind of need know our job roles and, and know what we have to do in order to get results. So yeah, it, it's working at the moment. There will be times in the season where it does become difficult and people will say, oh, you shouldn't have been playing out the back in, in, in that scenario or you need to play short if we're going longer. We, we understand that. But at the moment, we, we seem to be getting it right. So long may that continue. Does your coaching philosophy and player philosophy, can you have, do you have the same as a player and as a coach in terms of your kind of own coaching or, or do you perhaps play in a different way that perhaps the style that you want to coach, if that makes sense? Yeah, if I think about my own philosophy, I think I want to win. So so whatever way to, to win the game, that that's what you've got to do. Obviously, you, you hold your morals and you hold like your personal beliefs to how, how you want to go about that in regards to whether you want to play through the thirds or get it from back to front as quick as you can. But no, I, I, I'm i not on the pitch cursing us if, if we're playing um, too long or we're kicking it out to play or whatever it is. Um, it's just about them. Um, three points, really, or getting through um, to the next round. So going back to your playing career, after you left Port Vale, what happened next? What was next for you? Yeah, so the path got released from Vale and then went on trial at a couple of clubs, Maxwell Town, when they were in the Football League, Nantwich, a couple of uh, non-league teams in and around the area, and then fell in at League and uh, managed to get in there with two managers who were joint managers at the time, Anton Donners, uh, managed to get in with their... Had a good year there. Men's football, again, I know you've had people on the podcast before that say it's a lot different men's football compared to um, academy or, or youth football. That that was the case for me. Enjoyed my first season there and then... Um, Went from there, then went to Hanley Town. Had four, I think it was three, potentially four years there. Really enjoyed my time there. Then after COVID, decided to move on. And then, yeah, started at Congleton three years ago now, three seasons ago. Yeah, and you've had lots of memories since, and we'll come on to those as well. How did you kind of find that first step into non-league football? You can't prepare for it. You can have the amount of people that tell you that it's big. You can have people to tell you to go to the gym or to do extra stuff, but... As soon as you step into that game, it, it's completely different, especially as a as, as a defender as well. You kind of expect it to be big, strong, especially in, in, in non-league. It's a big change, an enjoyable one. Um, you have to find different ways to to go about things because um, as an 18-year-old lad, you're not going to be knocking a 30-year-old man who's a, a bricklayer off the ball. You've got to find different ways to get around that. But yeah, enjoyable really to find your own way within that. You then moved from Leek to Hanley Town. And were you, were you captain there as well for, for a period of time? Yeah, so I think it was about two seasons. I've got the captaincy. There's a lot of change at the club. There was a lot of 
a bit of a transition period between people moving on and people um, staying or have you. But yeah, I was I was given the um, captaincy. I had it for roughly about two years at quite a young age. So yeah. And you played against Congleton a few times, I think, when you were at Hanley. What were your impressions when, when you played Congleton? Yeah, so uh, again, a, a, t- a team that kind of knew what they were about, knew, knew what they were doing. I know um, Dust probably wasn't there, but Griff um, was there at the time. I played against Griff quite a few times um, with him actually playing. Um, we had some good battles. But yeah, a sense of a good club that knew what they wanted and, and, and knew of a path of how to get there. Really. And I think that's difficult and, and hard to come by with a non-league because you have so much chopping and changing between players and between managers. But yeah, a, a club that seemed to um, know what they want um, with good morals. So how did your move to Congleton then come about? It was a case of my gaffer at, at Hanley, Mick Morton. He'd been drafted in by Dutch um, and then Mick phoned. But I, I knew Duff some from coaching, obviously, at Vale at the time. And then it just kind of went from there, really. I had a conversation, asked me if I wanted to join. And then, yeah, I think the conversation was done within uh, five minutes. We met at a local pub, done in five minutes, watched the rest of the football. And then, yeah, just kind of turned up at training on the next Tuesday or, or whenever it was and just went from there. So that's how non-league deals are done down at the pub? Yeah, well, well, that's how mine was done. I'm not I'm, I'm not too shy to admit that or too scared to admit that. Yeah, it, it, was, it was a 10-minute chat. He knew what... Uh, he wanted, I knew what I wanted in regards to playing football and getting the club to where he wanted it to go with that path we just spoke about. So, yeah, it was done within five, ten minutes. And actually, you must have known quite a few of the Congleton players because you played, well, I've actually got the list in front of me here and I hope I've not missed any players out, but I think at Leek you had Darren Chadwick, Pete Williams and John Beaumont were, were there when you were at Leek. Dan Needham, Ethan Hartson under spell at, at Hanley Town when you were there and Brian Barton were all, all at Hanley. So does it help you? when you join a club that you've known players previously and also when they first join? Yeah, it, it, it does. It, it helps knowing previous players, but a lot of the lads are from Stoke anyway and then the Congleton lads were, were brilliant as soon as, you, as soon as you go in. They're really welcoming, but because of, for instance, AJ Aaron Johns played against him from numerous years, so it's a case of you get to know people through that and you get to know people where, whether that's in the clubhouse after or anything like that. So, yeah, it, it makes it easier. Yeah, but it is like one big family, really, within non-league. And the close-knit and togetherness of the squad has been a re- reoccurring theme on all the podcasts I think I've done with a player. I think a player has mentioned it, including yourself. Does that come from the players or Richard Duffy and the management team or a bit of both? I think it's a case of both. Both need to happen. So Duff's obviously needs to get the right players in, um, the right characters in. And then once we're in, it's a case of us managing our own, changing room, managing our own um, standards and expectations. Yes, every so often, Duff needs to tell us, needs to um, get on to us about that, which, which is natural. But yeah, it, it it's both. But we drive our standards from within and then we've got good characters, got some really big voices within that changing room. But then also you, you've got other types of leaders that pull the group in together um, in different ways. So yeah, it, as people have mentioned before, it is a close group. We are a close group and in a lot of circumstances that's got us over the line. Over 100 games for Congleton now. What have been some of your most memorable moments? If we, if we talk about last season, there were so many last season. The, the Berry game at home to get us through to the semi-final. The occasion of the semi-final um, in the Vars coming so close, but losing out on penalties. But yeah, for me, it's got to be the two the two cup wins, especially the one at um, Altrincham on the Thursday night um, against a really good outfit. As I mentioned earlier, we, we held our own and yeah, it was good. 
really enjoyable experience because them them things don't happen. I know you mentioned to George last week about his um, first year in senior football. I, I was one of the people that was saying to him, it's not like this every week, mate. It's not like this every year. So enjoy it whilst you can. So yeah, that, that was one of them that I really enjoyed. What have you enjoyed most about your time kind of at Congleton? Obviously, there's been those memorable moments, but what have you kind of generally enjoyed about your time at the club so far? I think it's a case of... I think winning helps, um, as we just mentioned, but I think it's a case of, of watching the club grow and, and watching us grow as individuals. So if we talk about the attendances that we've had recently, but then also obviously the, the cup wins that we'd had. And now we just seem to be on a bit of an evolving thing where we're, each week we're trying to improve, we're trying to get better and we're trying to improve on what we've done the previous time. And I think it's allowing us to grow. And obviously we just mentioned about the close knitness of, of the group. I think it all all tied in together that, that creates the um, right environment for us to yeah thrive and go on. Obviously, you're probably going to hate me for bringing this up, but you've played 100 games, just over 100 games for the Bears. You've never scored for Congleton. Is that something that you're rinded off quite a bit for, from your teammates? Yeah, I get a little bit of stick um, about that, but my comeback is that we've all got a job in the team um, and mine at this moment in time isn't to score goals. But yeah, it, it does need to change. I'm working on it all the time in training, working on my finishing and doing extra bits of, of finishing. So yeah, hopefully it'll come soon. When you do eventually get that goal, though, it's going to make it all the extra worthwhile. Yeah, fingers crossed. Um, it comes sooner rather than later. But yeah, I look forward to seeing a couple of lads' faces when it when it does go in. And you did score a goal, didn't you, that won your university side, the league, is that right? Yeah, I, I did, yeah. Um, again, like I, I don't score many goals, but within that season at uni, yeah, we, we got promoted and I scored, a, I think in, in the last two minutes, scored ahead. I couldn't miss really, it was about a yard out. Um, but yeah, it was the important one that managed to get us promoted. This Saturday is a home game against AFC Wolfroonians. You must have fond memories from when the two sides met last season in the FA Vars. Well, I, I kind of say fond, but actually you obviously got the win to reach the last eight. But that was a real battle in defensive display, particularly in the second half. It was hard to watch at times because it was just backs to, to the wall. Chadwick was on one leg, I think, for most of the most of the second half. Duffy had been sent off just before half time. What are those halves like to kind of play in when it is just literally defend, defend, defend? You don't realise it at the time. You, you kind of just obviously within your zone, within what yeah, whatever you're focused on at that period of time. But then when you come off after, you feel like, especially in that game, we, we knew they were good at going forward. So it was like facing the red arrows. But yeah, constantly defending, blocking, tracking runners, whatever that may be. Um, yeah, we, we were on it that day. And I think that epitomises what, what we just spoke about in regards to the close-knitness of the group. Everyone being on the same page, knowing what their job is and... and and how we can get ultimately the, the win at the end of it. Before I let you go, there's one more thing I want to discuss. And that was when Pete Williams on the podcast earlier on in the season revealed that you were the team's fine master. So what does that role involve? A lot of admin. So every non-league team does it, every every football team does it, but basically a set of rules. So we've got 20 rules that the players have to abide by. And if they don't, ultimately they get fined and it goes in a bit of a pot, goes in a bit of a kitty for us at the end of season. And then we go out and, and, and spend that money at the end of the season and then the season do. So what are the sort of things that would get a player a fine? Some good ones that we've got is a haircut. So if a player has a haircut and then we see it, we obviously charge them on that. A good one for that that a couple of people in our group have is bull tax. 
So, for instance, we've got a couple of lads who are bald in the group um, and they think they can get away with not having an haircut. So we have to put them down for bald tax um, every two weeks, that one is. We've got other ones, which usual ones being late for training, being late for games. They, they're a little bit more substantial. New boots, dirty boots. Um, and then we've also got Rule 20, is at any time the fines master or the fines committee can give you a fine. So that covers us for pretty much anything if we've missed anything within that scenario. So go on then, Mackenzie. Who is the worst culprit so far this season? So far this season, oh, we, we've got a few. We've got different culprits. So John Beaumont, always late. Pays his fines, but always late. We've got Tom Hampton, who lives not even 30 seconds from the stadium, but always turns up late on a match day. But then we've got others like Dave, doesn't pay a penny. Doesn't pay a penny until the end of the season and then he'll chuck you his money and be like, yeah, let's be done with it. Um, but yeah, it, it's a good group. A lot of them pay. I got a lot of stick um, the other week for not getting the money in, but each week now we're, we're chipping away at it. So hopefully we can have a good end of season do. I'm just feeling sorry for Pete because you said about the ball tax and also you keep getting him as well for the photos of his tongue sticking out on social media. Pete is, a, is hefty on the fines. We're, we're always on Pete because he's been in the army, so he, he should know better with his standards and, and, and what we expect. No, but to, to be fair to him, he, he does always pay and he's, he's worked his way onto the committee now. So he's got a little bit more say in, in, in what happens, but it doesn't stop him being fine for having his tongue out and he's having a shot or try and take on someone. So final question. This is the question I ask all the Congleton players who come onto the podcast. If you could play alongside any footballer in world football, who would you pick and why? Um, I was thinking about this earlier. So I was gonna I was gonna say Messi and, and be the predictable one, but I'm gonna go for someone like um, John Terry. I think it'd be brilliant to play alongside him. Obviously, he's gone into the coaching side of things now, so he understands the game and what an impact he can have on on the game whilst playing it. So his knowledge around it and all things like that, really. So yeah, I'd probably say John Terry. Well, thanks very much for your time, Mackenzie. I was going to say I better let you go before you're late for training, but it doesn't really matter because you're the fine masters. So thank you very much for your time and all the best for the rest of the season. No, cheers, mate. Thank you very much for having me. Still to come, we'll get the reaction from the Congleton Town fans and we'll also hear from the Congleton Town chairman. Saturday's attendance of 627 was the highest home league attendance at the Cleric Stadium in 17 years since FC United came to Congleton in 2006. Here's how Congleton Town Chairman Charles Porter reflected on what he described as the perfect day. The first reaction for me was wow when I heard the number. You know, we looked around and we were spe- as as you always do, you speculate how many you think there's there and. I think we'd originally said we'd be happy to see about 400, you know, but I guess, as we've already said, things sort of fell into place, didn't they? It was an international break. The weather was reasonably decent at times. And of course, you know, the big thing was it was a top of the table clash. And we are now um, just about top of the table on goal difference. So, you know, it was a great day. The atmosphere was fantastic. To see a great mix of different people in there was is fine. You know, we've got everybody from nine year olds all the way down to nine year olds and, and lower than that. And it's a great it's a great family atmosphere. And I'm I'm really glad that everybody's enjoying it and supporting the club. I mean, from the from the players' point of view and the people who volunteer to help run the club, it's great for them. It's their reward. You know, it, it means that all the hard work 
time, the blood, sweat and tears are actually worth something and, and people appreciate it and they come down to see it. It's great for the lads. Most of the teams in our league, you know, not even getting a triple digit um, to see. So that so when you get so many people come to a home game to come and watch you and the team, it, it must be really a big, massive buzz for the players. I know they appreciate it because I've spoken to them about it. And, uh, you know, it just spurs them on to, to do better and better, I guess. But yeah, it was a great day. Perfect. 627 for a league fixture, the highest at the Cleric Stadium since 2006. That figure would have been almost kind of unthinkable just a few years ago. And the support just keeps on growing. It's it kind of incredible. Have you been surprised by the support that the club keeps on getting? <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I have. Um, you know, when I first got involved with the club the year before, I think it was the year before COVID or two years before COVID, you know, there were some nights where on a Tuesday, especially in the, in the depths of winter when you were freezing and wet, you were probably seeing 60 or 70 people down there. The first big turnaround was the was the semi-finals that we hosted and we had record numbers for that, but we all knew that wasn't going to last. But seeing seeing the turnout on, on some of the league games, you know, we're consistently seeing... Over 350, 400 now is, you know, is, is a decent crowd. But to see 627 at a league game, at this stage in the league as well, it is, it's phenomenal. And I can't thank the local people for coming down and, and supporting us. You know, it, it makes everybody feel good. The volunteers, the players, everybody involved with the club. It's great. And I hope we can keep that going. And if not, get some more in. I guess it's all about success, isn't it? You, you know, the more successful you are, it, it sort of breeds it and word gets around. And, you know, we're in a really good place at the moment in terms of the league, but it, it is still early days. Let's not get uh, let's not get too excited. You've got to keep your feet on the ground. But, what, you know, what Richard and uh, Griff and, and the lads have, have achieved so far is, is great. You know, we had a bit of a slow start, admittedly, but... I think we're up and running now and, and uh, well, the league position says it all, really. I, I can't remember the last time we were top of the league. How pleasing is it to see things coming together, both on the pitch but also off the pitch as well? For me personally, chuff the bits on Saturday. You know, every everybody deserves that. They work really hard. The way the lads play as a unit and the togetherness off the pitch as well, and it, it's you know, it's testament to them, the manager, the management team, you know, everybody everybody off the pitch as well who has to look after the pitch, people who keep the sort of bits running that nobody sees. It, it, it's great. It's great. It really is. And and for me, it was a really proud moment on, on Saturday. You know, I was, um, had a few uh, shandies after. Well-deserved shandies, I think it's fair to say. And that's the thing, isn't it? Because you mentioned there the amount of hard work that goes into the club. It's challenging at times, as we alluded to in the previous podcast that we did with you. But is it days and moments like that that kind of make it all the hard work and challenges, make it kind of seem worthwhile, not only from the success on the pitch, but also that kind of family atmosphere that you mentioned? Yeah, absolutely. You know, if 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 you were stuck at the bottom of the league and you were getting 20 people in every every game, then, you know, you'd get to a point where you would think, what am I doing here? You know, what what's the point? Seeing that many people come through the door, the great support, the atmosphere 
obviously the football's really good at the moment as well, you know, and our league position just makes it all worthwhile. And I, and I hope all the volunteers are really proud of, of what they've achieved uh, and obviously the players and the management team. But it's the volunteers really who don't get a lot of recognition because nobody knows who they are. They're doing their own stuff quietly. They're getting on with it. They're giving up their own time. Some of them are, you know, putting putting their own money in to a certain extent as well. And you know, it's great for them. And I hope everybody's really proud and happy of what they've what they've achieved. And what's it also been incredible so so far this season is the support that the Bears are getting kind of away from home as well. Some of the times they're kind of outnumbering the home fans. That must be kind of incredible to kind of see as chairman. It is. You know, we've travelled to a lot of places this this season and um, you're right, we have outnumbered the home supporters, which, which is really good, uh, especially for the lads on the pitch. Got a feel for the, for the home team on those occasions, though, because um, I know how much hard work it takes and it, it, it must be a little bit soul-destroying when you see that, you know, you're only getting 30 or 40 through the gate. It, it's really tough to take and, again... You know, just from the financial point of view, it must be it must be a real struggle. So I take take my hats off to anybody in that situation, and and it's well, we've been there, we've seen it, and we you know things have turned around, and you know probably down to our success and and the way we've we've made some changes at the ground that we're starting to see that additional support now, and I just hope that everybody keeps going. I mean, everybody's asking for shirts now. Everybody wants a shirt. You know, the shop's selling a lot of merchandise. We've seen a lot of people walking around town with scarves and hats and shirts on. A couple of snaps from people all over the world on the holidays who've, who've decided to take woolly hats and scarves to sunny places, which which I'm not sure about, but good one anyway. Yeah, so there's a, there's a real buzz around the town, and, and so there should be. You know, it's a great community asset. The football club is you know it's not in private ownership it's great for the town and i just hope every, you know more and more people come down see what it's all about enjoy the day there and and come down i know the weather's always a factor nobody likes standing in the rain and the cold but you know keep that support coming and, and hopefully you know that'll that'll show on the uh on pitch and I guess your your message to kind of any local businesses who might, might be thinking about supporting the Bears or anybody in the town or further afield about come, coming down is come down and be a part of it because this club is going places. It's certainly getting a lot more exposure. So, you know, if you were sitting on the fence thinking, you know, why, why should I as a business support the local football club? Then, you know, that argument probably is waning a little bit. You can see that we're getting more exposure we're doing really well at the moment. We're getting the crowds down. There's definitely a lot more media coverage, whether that be you know local media, social media, media from the league point of view. You know that story's getting bigger and and more widespread. So it is getting to a point where you know you don't really need to justify it. Just come down and help out and be part of that you know that local thing. You and the club were kind of. Very clear when the the talk and the rumours were going round at the early part of this year about whether Congleton would end up being moved into the Midland Football League. You were very clear that well, whatever league you were put in, whether that would be remaining in the Northwest Counties League or the Midland Football League, you and the club would, would embrace it. That has been the case, and now we're twelve games into the league season. Now, how have you been finding the Midland Football League? It is slightly different. 
you know, there's 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 a lot there's a lot of conversations going around about um, maybe the quality of some of the locations and the and the venues. It is a little bit different in terms of of, of maybe the setup in some of the organisations. I think it'd be unfair to say that the quality football was any less. I think there may be, you know, more more of a gap between the lower half of the table and the top half of the table, where in the Northwest Counties League, it was probably a quite a decent consistency across the whole league table. So that that's the only thing. But, you know, we still got to win the matches. There's some decent teams that we, we need to go and play still and we, and we need to win. So, as I said, when we first found out, it's an adventure, isn't it? It's something new. Let's embrace it. It's going okay at the moment, and let's hope. Hopefully, it carries on that way. But it's just new, and people don't like new things. You know, fear fear of the the, the new and the, the changing it is always going to be a problem. But it's nice to go to different places and and see different venues and how other people operate and the challenges. You know, it's a learning process for everybody involved. So I I, I think it's been I think it's been good. And the wider club as well. We're seeing again the pathway. Tom Allen coming, stepping up from from the reserves, and the ladies first. I've been down to a few of their games, and the reserves now. Great numbers that that they've had within their pathway, and the, the juniors as well. That it's incredible when you go up to Congleton High and see the amount of games that are on, the amount of people that are, are, are participating in the sport, showing that actually all levels of the club it is going from strength to, to strength. Yeah, it is working. You know what we, what we set out to do. When, when the merger was put on the table, it's starting to show, you know, the fruits of our labour. And like you said, we've got we've got players now on the first team who've come from up through the juniors, into the reserves, into the first team. There's a great sort of conveyor belt of, of young talent coming through the club who we want to retain locally. We don't want them going to other places. Having that sort of end game or pathway in place is something that can keep them in town they don't need to go to other places they can see that there's something to aim for and it, it, it's it's started to look really good I mean the ladies team the first and reserve team you know is is growing there's a, a a lot more girls getting involved in football through the juniors as well so they're the number of teams at the junior level is increasing as well and I'm going to start banging my drum now the only thing that's holding us back is facilities we are at capacity and if we don't get a solution to that pretty quickly, we're going to have to start turning kids away, you know, because there just isn't the facilities, the infrastructure to support the, the amount of people who want to play football for the club, which is which is a real shame. You know, it's really sad that. No, it kind of is. Absolutely. But from a first team perspective and, and throughout all the teams, I guess it's just come on down and support the Bears. I guess that's kind of your final message. It is, you know, the more the more people we've got behind us, the bigger the story is, and the more umph we've got to try and improve football in the local area and and get those facilities hopefully pushed through by hook or by crook. It's not going to be easy, but if we don't do anything, then situation's only going to get worse. So we'll we'll you know we'll we'll keep doing our best and see what we can come up with. But we we just need some support on that on that front. But as I say, you know, we just got to keep going, haven't we? We're doing the right thing. We're going in the right direction, and uh, so you know, hopefully it lasts a lot longer. But uh, you know, I'd just personally like to thank everybody who supports the club. Whether it's coming down to watch the first team, it's the people who give up the time to the run junior teams, 
you know, you people are making it all happen. So keep doing it, please. And uh, thanks very much. Let's end the podcast with the thoughts of the fans who were in fine voice throughout the game and that continued into the clubhouse after the match. First half, great performance. Second half, we went off the boil. Yeah, I think um, very, very scrappy match. Um, completely different from playing Bewdley last weekend. Um, but I think we battled well. First half was very scrappy. I think we, we used the... We used the, the the hill to our advantage in the second half but again very poor officiating from, from the ref and the liners so all in all I think we deserve the win great penalty as well by Chadders um, so yeah glad it's over glad we've got the win at top of the league which is which is a rare feeling for Congleton Town um, long may it continue it's fantastic with the support including the ground hoppers 627 a mammoth crowd and we've got the result in front of that crowd so hopefully they'll come back for more and it's a tribute to Richard Doffey and Anthony Griffith from the hard work they've put in to be a really strong tackling side like Stodley they are a really physical side and we overcome that with football um, so the football team won today 1-0 which I'm proud of that's it for this week's podcast but after the incredible support at the Cleric Stadium on Saturday there's two home games in four days to look forward to on Saturday, the Bears host AFC Wolfrunians, a team they beat in last season's FA Vars, before on Tuesday night, they're back in action against Stone Alderlanians in the League Cup. The reserves don't have a game this weekend, but they play Lostock Gralham at home on Wednesday the 25th of October. Both the ladies' teams didn't play last weekend, with the ladies' first team returning to league action with a home game against AFC Crew on Sunday while the reserves are away at Edgerton. There's only one way we can end this week's podcast, and that is with reliving the moment Darren Chadwick sent Congleton Town to the top of the league. Thank you for listening to the Congleton Town Football Club Podcast. (laughs) 